0: This podcast episode is brought to you by Phone Sites. With Phone Sites, you can build a website or sales funnel that generates leads from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any tech skills or without downloading an app. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Nate. <laughs>
1: five and oh six i deployed to kuwait i used to wait every day for them to say nature going home i missed my life miss my wife for 15 months she was all alone
0: Hey, what's up everybody? Nate Bailey here, Championship Leadership Podcast, and I'm really honored and excited to have Tom Shea with us. He is a uh, distinguished retired Navy SEAL, 23 years of service. He has a book out about five and a half years ago, an incredible book called Unbreakable, a Navy SEAL's way of life. And he speaks, he coaches executives on leadership and uh, how to impact and move their businesses forward. And I just really appreciate you taking the time today to be with us. Thank you, Tom.
2: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. First question I like to ask is, uh, what does championship leadership mean to you when you hear that phrase?
2: What a good opening. That's actually, I think two questions. One is, uh, championship is how to win and leadership, uh, would be how leaders create the dynamic for a team to do well. And, uh, how you get teams to operate effectively is critical and it's rare.
0: Mm-hmm. Why is that? Why is it so rare?
2: I know for a fact people operate about twenty percent of their ability. Mm-hmm. Pros operate maybe at forty percent. Yeah. Wow. And you know, if you look at, at an athletic team, that's why any given Saturday, any college team can win. Uh-huh. Because Winning may be a percentage of two or three percent of activity being increased. And what usually happens if you, you know, you look at like the the Clemson's of the world, the coach makes all the difference. Getting the team to do simple things under distress or in duress makes all the difference. And how you do that is a very hard, hard line to learn.
0: Yeah. And so, obviously, uh, in your training, And experience as a Navy SEAL in the teams, obviously that is uh, something that's very present and that you're very aware of. And when everything is on the line, it's utmost importance that you're operating at the highest level, yes? Well,
2: you know, there's maybe a misnomer, and uh, I'll probably speak to it now. Uh, SEALs do the basic things better than anybody else. Mm -hmm. Like there's really nothing advanced in being a SEAL other than you can do a lot of basic things very quickly. And how they teach you that is by putting you through that first part of training called uh, BUDS, or Basic Underwater Demolition Seal. It makes it very clear that uh, simple things win. And like, for instance, in Hell Week, six-day-long training where you only get around two hours of sleep, all you're doing is basic things, but you're not getting any time to recover. That really demoralizes people, and that when you learn to function at that level, and that level is just do basic things, don't do anything advanced, don't overdo anything, and do them very rapidly so that you have to do it a second time. Uh, when you learn that skill set, you can do anything very well. But you know the percentages are that here's the percentage of success in the world. Maybe 15% of the people just do basic things. And that percentage comes out of Hell Week. Only 10 to 15% of the people graduate SEAL training. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing in the business community. Probably the same relationship of percentages and being a successful marriage. Yeah. <laughs> just do basic things. And if you can do that, you win. And uh, that is hopefully that alleviates the strain of that question that you asked.
0: Yeah. There's a tendency for people to think that if it's too simple, it doesn't work. Right, like to make simple things more complex because there's an idea that if it's more complex, it must work better. It seems like yeah,
2: complex. It's a it, and that's scary that people do make things complex. Yeah, the leadership side of it, making something complex simple, mm-hmm. and the person that does that wins. Yeah, and that really goes in line with what you're saying is, and to do that, you have to be guided to do that because humans make everything too complex. And that's a scary situation. Everything is too complex. Yeah. Everybody that wins, you know, like in football, you got to block, you got to tackle, you got to catch and you got to run. if you can do that, you win. Yeah. If you drop the ball or fumble, you lose.
0: Yeah. And so you've mentioned you come in and you'll work with executive coaching or, you know, come in and work with the leadership of a team. Is it really taking the systems, the processes that they have, or maybe even the lack of, and just taking that complex and then breaking it down to its simplest form so that they can operate more efficiently, faster?
2: Always. It's making something complex basic. You know, everything gets complex the more people you bring in, the more money you make the more disparate leaders that are there and what we found as a consulting firm is to go in rather rapidly, dive into the complexity and pull out what I call three things that you can actually do. When you can pull those out, you can see growth in that quarter that you're working. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: We see it clearly. It's just, uh, we always laugh that uh, everybody else tries to make it too complex. (laughs)
0: Um, talk to me, maybe tell the listeners a little bit more about you and, you know, what put you on the path to become a Navy SEAL. And obviously you had a a long career there and, you know, which has allowed you to come and extract all of those experiences, the knowledge, the wisdom, the, what you learned through that to also carry over into your civilian life and, and impacting other leaders and companies as you continue on in life. Like, yeah, what drove you to get on that path
2: Well, I always—I grew up at a time, I think it was the greatest time in the 70s, where as long as you could put in the work, you were going to accomplish something. You just had to do the work. The work that I did as a kid was very athletic and outdoorsy. And when I was looking at what my lifestyle would be like after college, uh, the only paying profession that was outside was the military. And I thought, well, you know, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do something that would be worth it. And I chose the SEAL community. But the path again, not very simple. Yeah. I'm the only one that I know of that went into uh, five different classes or hell weeks. Oh, wow. I was trying to make it too complex. Yeah. I tried to win every event and Uh you know, the body can't recover when it's actually at peak performance rest probably is the most important part. Yeah. And uh, I didn't let myself recover and I got four injuries in a row in, in different hell weeks and, then I got out of that and spent some time in the regular Navy and then I went back to the seal program and graduated and Then it was just a, a series of of learning very disturbing problems that are very complex and breaking them down into very simple biteable you know efforts and that 's what wins in combat is that you know if you want to sustain yourself in combat, you have to be able to do something very simple when the conditions don't really relegate themselves to simplicity. Mm -hmm. And it culminated in 2009 in a, I was a platoon chief in Afghanistan had 22 guys that I was in charge of tactically. And we took it to the Taliban by doing very simple things in very nebulous, complex environments. And when I retired, I wrote the book Unbreakable simply to my family. And I wrote it during my time over in Afghanistan because combat can offer death to you. And it was a series of 13 lessons. I wanted the kids to learn in case I died. Mm -hmm. My wife, Stacy decided to put it up on Amazon and it went viral. And many business leaders would ask me specifically, can you teach me what those lessons are? So I developed a curriculum around teaching leaders how to take something that is very complex and make it simple. Through a series of processes and methods, and it takes about a year to graduate from the training, and uh, that is what I do now is I train executives, eighty percent of the time.
0: Uh huh. Okay. Who are some of the the championship leaders that you've crossed paths with, whether it be in the military or or outside of it, that that have really impacted you as a leader, as a person, maybe as a father, husband? There you mean by name? That, yeah. You don't have to name them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Just trying to figure out what you asked there. Yeah, there's, a, there's several. There's, a, a, you know, I'll mention by name a guy named Tim Flanagan who runs a, a mass mutual organization. And he's been a very influential man in regards to making something very complex, very simple and helping me see that. Uh, and I have a series of five mentors. I think there's five areas of life. So I have mentors in those areas. And those areas are your physical health. So I have a coach or a mentor that teaches me things that I don't know. Mm -hmm. And currently I'm tackling the ultra marathon running space. So if you're going to do something that hard, you got to have somebody that's a master in that space. That's awesome. And then uh, the learning space is I'm always interested in learning things. And so I have a guy that's a a really good teacher of complexity and, and basic things that teaches me. We meet once a month to dive into how my brain figures things out. And then I have a, what I call wealth manager, which is the third space. And he and I interact once a month on how to figure out where value comes from and and how to scale all the different ideas that I have. And then the, the fourth area, which I think is paramount is relationships. So I have a coach that, uh, helps, me understand and the dynamics of relationship. And then fifthly, probably most important is uh, spiritual. And I have a series of coaches that help me in that world without naming names.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's great. Thank you. And um, what are some of the biggest characteristics or traits that you really, you know, I, five different people just specifically in those five areas. And obviously, I'm sure they're all different uh, and bring a little bit something different to the table. Like, you know, what really stands out to them that makes them great at what they do?
2: I look for people who are outcome-based as opposed to theoretical. huh. So we work on specific tasks that I have to actually deliver on okay. where there's a measurable goal, uh, whether it's a week out or, or 10 days out or two years out. So our interactions are based on how I'm moving the needle, so to speak, on a measurable outcome. So those people who are, who I gravitate to are people who actually want to show up in the world as opposed to the theoreticals.
0: Mm-hmm. I love this because you got, you have five coaches, right? And five different areas, the five critical areas of your life. I'm a coach, I'm a speaker. And so obviously I believe that everyone should have a coach. I'm the same way. Like if I'm training ultra marathons myself, I find someone that knows what they're doing in that area yeah. to help me there. Nutrition, uh, you name it, spiritually, you get a spiritual mentor or, I have coaches and I'm coach I I should have a coach Tom Brady has a coach the guy if there's one guy in the NFL like one of the greatest quarterbacks if not the greatest of all time still has a coach and he's probably like the guy that probably doesn't need one if you you know if you're going to make the argument but he still has a coach he's breaking down his throwing motion still to this day every offseason and so the importance of that is that something that you you've always believed in or where does that come from for you? I've
2: always believed in that from a young kid, uh, you know, I think from a young kid's perspective, you seek out somebody that can do something that you want to do. You probably don't use the word coach until later in life. Yeah. And so I grew up in that environment and much supported by my family or my parents at that time. You know, I, I wanted to be a football player. Well, you can only learn so much by yourself and you immediately come to a plateau of whatever age. And so I grew up having people around me that were much better than I simply to learn from mm-hmm. And as an adult, I found it to be the single most important mechanism to doing anything well. And the bigger the goal, the more coaches. And uh, I, you know, the second part of that question is why don't people have them? Yeah. Answering that question is probably more important is because people want to do it their way. Mm-hmm. And a coach always tells you to do something that you don't want to do. Yeah, And it's always very difficult, but it's singular, you know, like in ultra running, here's the deal. You got to run, <laughs> yeah. you can't hack it. You got to put in the miles and you yeah. can't hack that. And everybody wants to hack. Mm-hmm. You're never going to get coached if you want an easy way to do something.
0: Yeah. So, so how do you deal with that as a leader? Um, I would, cause I imagine, you know, I see it as a coach all the time. People, there's pushback. What do you do working with these companies or these executives and, uh, and you experience some of that?
2: Uh, I think the more pushback, the more uh, growth can happen. Mm -hmm. If they actually say yes to everything, I'm really scared. Yeah. Okay. The more, you know, emotional pushback or the more attempts that are made and then they push back thinking that they can't do it. The more you realize as a coach, if they keep doing it and trying, they're going to succeed. You know, as a coach, I actually embrace the pushback and uh, I don't create a condition where you can't complain, so to speak. I yeah. hope that you do. That means yeah. it's working. Yeah. And, you know, to whoever's looking at coaching or being coached, coaches require pushback because you know you've hit the wall. You've hit the, their limit of, or yeah. their capacity. And that's where all the great experiences happen. You as an individual can't figure it out. You, know, you revolt against the uh, the the mechanism or the machine.
0: Yeah. Come back to your book, you, Unbreakable. You, you wrote that while you were on tour in Afghanistan, I believe you said. Yep. And I believe you said 13 lessons, yes? Yep. What are some of the top ones that stick out to you from that that maybe you could share yeah. here with the listeners? Uh, the ideas obviously
2: came from Afghanistan, but when I compiled it together, they're supposed to be learned linearly or one after the other. Okay. okay. The first one and the... Th- And the second and third have been the most profound. And to date, like right now, we have a training online where people can go through a guided, you know, mechanism, if you will, to learn the 13 lessons. To date, uh, over a thousand people have attempted lesson one. And I think the the basic element of success or the foundation of success is you got to be able to make a promise and keep it. So that's lesson one. And it really takes 21 days to learn anything new. Mm -hmm. So the process is for 21 days, do three simple things a day, morning and night. You get out of bed, you do push-ups, sit-ups, and squats. And then right before bed, you do the same thing. And only to date, 72 people have been able to do it.
0: Uh, How many push-ups, sit-ups, and Squat. So
2: you start out with 10 in the first seven days and then you go to 20 and then you go to 30 in the final seven days. Okay. And it's not difficult, but what you have to learn about yourself is that we humans are excuse driven. Like we run our lives by how quickly we can excuse ourselves from doing what we said. Yeah. And uh, if you're going to be coached or try something very hard in your life, you're going to have to overcome your excuses. You know, the excuses are this hurts or it's raining outside so I don't want to run or my wife doesn't support me, which is a big excuse that we found. And uh, the third excuse I think is I I wasn't anticipating is when you hear yourself say that uh, what I'm doing is stupid. Well, it doesn't matter. You've already promised to do it. Yeah, right. Ultra marathon running is stupid at about mile 90. You're like, okay, this is stupid. And if you let that excuse stop you, you'll stop right at 90 miles. You'll stop. But if you don't let it excuse you from honoring your word, you will complete it. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth one, uh, which is an interesting one, everybody uses it. I forgot. Oh. So those four excuses <laughs> crush success. Yeah. You cannot be a champion yeah. if you excuse yourself.
0: Yeah. You can't. Right. You've had over a thousand people come mm-hmm. through attempt this and 72
2: on the first try, they have to complete it to go on to the second one. So the average is it takes around five weeks to complete it. Like if you're on day five yeah. and you get, you have to yeah. start over Start over most people uh, excuse themselves in the first 10 days and 3% excuse themselves at the end, like three days from the end. Wow. And very rarely does anybody uh, not do it in the first seven days. Okay. It's between yeah. day eight and 10 is where most failures happen. Yeah. And we are looking at that. We see that now everywhere. After the, the funness wears off of something, yeah. people stop doing it.
0: Yeah, the motivation, the shininess is gone. Yep. And now it's like, well, are you going to do what you said you would or not, right? Yep. Yeah, go ahead. And then,
2: so, you know, you asked about the other lessons. Yeah. Uh, lesson three is a 24-hour, well, I call it pushing your limits for 24 hours. And all we do is, it's an instructional time. So myself and some other instructors help lead it. And we just walk for 24 hours. And we hold them, every six months, we hold a 24-hour challenge, it's called. And we're at number 26 now. And people come from all over the world to learn what their limits are. And you learn it. And, but here's the problem. You don't learn it until the last four hours. Yeah. You learn really what's stopping you in life. And it, gosh, I wish it didn't take 20 hours to figure yeah. it out. But, yeah, right. But in the last three to four hours, you really learn what you're
0: capable of doing. What was that? Lesson two?
2: No, that's lesson three. three. Lesson two is how to, how to overcome fear. And the only way to do that is to go do the thing that you're afraid of doing. Yeah fear of heights is a big thing for people so uh-huh. we take people out on a rappel and a climb on real rock okay. and it unfolds right in front of you people lock up people get yeah. scared people can't climb they can't process human language anymore <laughs> and uh, after about an hour of that all of a sudden all the fear is gone
0: oh that's incredible so where do people find out more info on, on that program that you have
2: yeah, that's uh, unbreakablelessons.com. Okay. And uh, all the programs that we do is under tomshea.com, T-H-O-M-S-H-E-A.com. And awesome. uh, in April, we're going to start a seminar series because so many people can't commit to a year process. So we're going to do it in a seminar basis now.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. I always like to ask this question here. and We all have critical moments, right? Or critical decisions in our life. And I'm just curious if there are any that that stand out to you where, you know, you really did have this critical moment where you could have went left, but you decided to go right. I think championship leaders, like look at the Bill Belichicks or the Nick Sabans, they've found a way to continually get back to the championship game and win them. They're willing to make the decisions that many are not and to go down that path less traveled. Just curious if there's a moment or two that stick out to you where, Could have been easy for you to maybe go left and you'd be in a completely different place in life than you are today, but instead you made that decision to go right and it has you right where you are right now. Uh,
2: It happened in 2009 uh, in May in Afghanistan. We were outnumbered on a combat target and it was about 39 to the eight of us Hmm and uh, in combat when you're outnumbered you can tell (laughs) it's not a numbers game it's a volume of fire yeah right and uh, we got hit uh, all at once around 12 rpgs hit our location i got blown up into a room and that defining moment was me laying on the ground and i couldn't move like i literally thought i was dead and overcoming that what I call the mental trash in your head that it so much wants to agree with the condition that you're in.
1: Mm.
2: You're in pain. You don't know what's going to happen next. There's chaos everywhere. And my ability to find one thing that I could do in that critical moment was the defining event. And I figured if I want to die, I'm going to fight dying. And I started processing my situation a lot better. Ended up being a 45 minute firefight. And, uh, we ran out of rounds in 45 minutes and we called in a B1 bomber to bomb the guys that were about a hundred yards away from us, mm-hmm. thinking that we would die when the explosion hit, but we didn't. So they yeah. ended up awarding several of us silver stars for, I call it the not dying award. And, uh, but the moment was, uh, can I process chaos by doing simplicity?
0: Yeah. Wow. So yeah, I mean, in that moment, able to, to get up and to move. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Appreciate it. As we're getting ready to wrap up here, what are one or two things that you could really leave with the listeners that they could take and implement like today and move their life forward?
2: Yeah, there's two things, whether you're a man or a woman, the most critical condition that you could ever be in the one that matters the most. Is that you actually do what you say you're gonna do like really spend a lot of time keeping your promises if you're gonna do that you better make them basic don't make it a complex promise yeah what I didn't know until I retired was the second most important factor that makes a difference in anybody's life if they're gonna be a champion is the the key relationships at home either crush you or build you like there's no middle ground. If you're married to the wrong person, you will not be a champion. Cannot happen. Mm -hmm. If you married to the right person, one that kicks your ass out the door and encourages you and uh, actually drives you, you will win. And uh, without those two factors in play, you're stuffed.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. That's great. Thank you. I do have one last question. What, what, uh, because I, this has been a journey I've been on myself as far as the ultra running go, what, what prompted you to, to take that on?
2: i had broken my back and the doctor said that I would never run again. And I'd never, I'd done adventure racing, which was back in the day, like eco challenge, the multi-sport racing.
0: Yeah. Did you ever do that uh, with Don Mann What was that? Did you do that with Don Mann at all?
2: Uh, no, but I know him really well.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, on the show and I know he 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 did a lot of that, right?
2: Yeah, he actually had a company quest, uh, and he he, you know, held the events, and he was a racer as well. Yeah. Uh, but so, without having the capability of doing it, I wasn't going to sit there be an invalid. Mm-hmm. So I immediately went out and signed up for an ultra, which was the San Diego Fifty. Okay. And I couldn't run more than twenty minutes when I signed up and since then I just know that if you don't commit to something that is impossible for you to do you sit in bed and you lick your wounds until the wounds define you Mm -hmm. and uh, but that keeps it's always in the back of my mind is uh, if you tackle impossible things what you get from it is much more rewarding and I'm still trying to figure out how to balance life and ultra? <laughs>
0: yeah, right. Because
2: yeah. it's a time derivative, folks. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate you sharing that. So, um, thank you so much for being here. Let once again, just yeah. What are a few ways that people can uh, find more about you, follow what you're doing, uh, so that we can make sure that we get that link yep. in the show notes. Yeah. Here.
2: Well, you know, Tom Shea on social media, T H O M S H E A and uh, unbreakablelessons.com and tomshay.com and you know myself and my staff are very responsive because uh, if you're brave enough to take on hard things we, we commit with you and uh, love to interact with people
0: yeah thank you i appreciate you taking time today thank you so much sure absolutely thank you all 05
1: and 06 I deployed to Kuwait i used to wait every day for them to say Nature going home. I miss my life, miss my wife. 15 months, she was all alone. Marriage has never been better than this. And we got three kids, that's who I do it for. I'm gonna be a leader.